I like to say that COVID was the great test, the stress test of some of the digital transformation that we've had done in our organizations, that we saw a quite a bit of a disparity between those organizations that have progressed what they were doing in digital transformation versus others. And some of the examples there would be around the area around just gaining visibility into some of the spending and suppliers that organizations were doing business with. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Each episode shares our latest research, benchmarks, and best practices on world-class performance. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. I'm Laura Gibbons, your host for today's podcast, and my guest today is Chris Sawchuk, Principal and Global Procurement Practice Advisory Leader at the Hackett Group. I'll be guiding the discussion today, providing context as needed, and as always, a full transcript for this episode can be found at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. Today, we're talking about procurement's top key issues and more specifically looking at how they've changed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's dive in. Chris, cost was the number one key issue at the beginning of this year. I think it's still critical for success, maybe even more so post-COVID, but how do you think the expectations of cost efficiency and reducing spend have changed since COVID hit? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Laura, and I think one of the things that surprised us in the release of our key issues at the tail end of last year was the fact that the top two areas, as you mentioned, were cost. One having to do the cost of the organization, looking at procurement as an operation, and the other is its ability to reduce the cost and the spend of the organization. Now, the spend one wasn't surprising to us. Uh, we've seen you know, the reduction of spend as a top priority for procurement for many years. Uh, we've been running the study for over 15. But the focus on the organizational cost was a bit more surprising to us. We hadn't seen that in the top five key priorities for procurement uh, in many, many years. Why was that? Why did we see you know, the cost of the organization all of a sudden rise to the top of the priority list for procurement? Well, one of the things that we've been under and focused on as organizations has been the digital transformation of our organizations. And this really started in earnest several years ago. And, you know, what we have seen is that, you know, through this whole period of time and the investments that organizations have been making in the transformation and more specifically the digital transformation of their organizations, is that the cost of the organization, even a headcount, really hasn't come down. And, and our belief right now is as we go when it, where we're coming into 2020, was that the focus had changed. And that there was an expectation by the organization, specifically, you know, financial organization, that there would be some return from a cost standpoint. And so based on some of this pressure, you know, we believe that is one of the key reasons why procurement saw the focus on the efficiency of its organization, really being that it had to gain a return on the digital transformation efforts that it had been investing in over the last several years. Yeah, that's great. You know, as far as digital transformation goes, agreed. I mean, that's been a huge topic, you know, for several years now. And and when we talk about costs with technology, it's it's of course a little bit different. Can you talk about, you know, the importance of digital tools and and how that's helping organizations respond to COVID with better agility, you know, now in the immediate term 
and looking forward over the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what was interesting is, you know, and I just mentioned some of the, you know, the focus on digital and the expectation is that organizations, you know, not only want to gain some of the other benefits of digital transformation and technology within organizations, but there is an expectation around cost as well. But as you look at that, and, you know, I think COVID really provided us a, a great opportunity to see the impact of digital transformation within organizations. And it allowed us to really take a look at some of the organization had made some very progressive moves forward in terms of the digitization and, and digital transformation of their organizations. So as you went with COVID, I like to say that COVID was the great test, the stress test of some of the digital transformation that we've had done in our organizations, that we saw a quite a bit of a disparity between those organizations that have progressed what they were doing in digital transformation versus others. And some of the examples there would be around the area around just gaining visibility into the, some of the spending and, and suppliers that organizations were doing business with. You know, this was something that early on in the crisis, we were trying to get an understanding of who were our suppliers? Uh, where do we get, you know, how can we get access to, you know, certain suppliers, you know, that are out there for certain supplies that we needed to get access to? And what we saw was that, you know, certainly there were organizations that had that visibility to a much higher degree than others due to some of the work they've done around digital transformation, which included foundationally a focus on their data and master data. The other thing was a whole area around risk. And, you know, certainly COVID, you know, stressed our supply chains to a high degree and continued to do so. But what we saw was that where organizations had some pretty good insight in terms of what was happening with their tier one and the level of risk that was occurring there and potentially occurred there, what was missing was visibility to tier two suppliers and tier three suppliers. And unless these organizations had done something where they started to put tools in place and digitally transform and gain visibility to multi-tiers of the supply chain, they were basically flying blind. And it wasn't until their tier ones were telling them that they could not supply them that they realized that the tier twos and tier threes and that visibility was so key to their ability to be able to assure supply within their organization. I mean, risk has been such an enormous topic since COVID hit. I don't think I've ever heard a topic gain importance so quickly and so largely before. I also think, you know, as we talk about risk, we're not just looking at the, you know, financial viability necessarily anymore. And the topic has broadened quite a bit. Like you were talking, you know, supply assurance obviously is, is of course a huge one, but we also have these broader risk topics. You know, some are related to even social goals like diversity and, and innovation. So the whole topic of risk has broadened, including, you know, digital tools and all that sort of thing. And in speaking with some organizations, I know, you know, the closeness of the relationship between buyer and supplier is critical to managing that. Can you talk about some of the other things that are, are helpful for organizations to manage risk and, and some of the things that they should be looking out for? Yeah, I think, you know, to your point, risk is certainly exposed some of the vulnerabilities that during the current crisis that companies had in terms of how they were managing risk. And what we're seeing now in terms of the design of our supply chains, that many of our supply chains were designed not 
only based on cost. But I would say that one of the big criteria in terms of how we've designed our supply chains was based on cost. And, you know, with less focus on the risk within those supply chains, as well as the agility of those supply chains. And what we're seeing now is companies really stepping back and reprioritizing the criteria for the design of the supply chains. And one of the reasons this is driving is that the whole area around supply risk and the impact that it's had you know, on certain organizations, it's become a board-level discussion. So not only an executive committee, but a board-level discussion because it has a big impact on your ability to deliver revenue to the organization. So what you're seeing is a reprioritization. And as a result of that, what organizations are now looking at is if they were, you know, they had a level of risk where potentially their supply was coming out of one location, potentially China, for a particular item or goods that they were sourcing from a a particular part of the world, then what they're looking at now is diversification. So what we're seeing is organizations, you know, not looking to get out of certain areas where they have been sourcing for a long time, but diversifying the location of their sources of supply to reduce the risk within their organization. Now, the challenge with that is that it has an impact on cost and potentially could increase the cost of their supply. And so these will be, you know, I'll say very important for these leaders of supply chain and procurement to work very closely with the business to make those types of decisions, to understand that, yes, we want to reduce the level of risk, but what willingness do we have to increase the cost as a result of that? And at the same time, how do we build the agility within our supply chains that we're not put in the same situation that we have been during the current crisis? That's great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Let's switch topics now to some of our other key issues Talent and skills was firmly in the top 10 of the key issues this year and the prior year. Mm -hmm. How would you say that talent and skills have changed since COVID hit now that we have remote work is in place and people are communicating in totally different ways than we ever have before? Supplier negotiations, for example, is a question we get often. How is that going to change and how do businesses start to approach those types of things as we enter this new normal? And then, you know, what are the talent and skills that we're going to look to to help succeed? It's a multidimensional question that you highlighted. You know, the first thing I will make a a statement around is that you cannot be successful in the digital transformation of your organization without bringing along your talent. It's not only about the technology and it's, you know, sort of like I go back and I talk about digital transformation and say, you know, digital transformation is certainly about a new way of doing business and it's a new way of thinking. And it's certainly, this is where you involve a lot of the technology, but it's also about velocity. It's also about putting the customer centric in the way we build our models. And, And to do this, we have to bring along our people. And so as you look at that and you say, well, if I'm going to digitally transform my enterprise, my function of procurement and supply, then what has to happen to my talent? And one of the things, when we did a study in the last year, we looked at the skills and where the biggest gaps, you know, between where procurement professionals are today and where they believe they need to be based on a look at the future, a look at a much more digitally transformed environment. And the three areas that we found the biggest gaps with procurement professionals, or at least they cited as the biggest gaps, were in the areas of technology, 
data as well as analytics. You know, other areas that were very important, you know, the ability to develop relationships both internally, you know, with stakeholders and suppliers externally, strategic skills, visioning skills, et cetera, were also important. But things really focused on the biggest gaps were everything that had to do with some of the areas of digital that we needed to, you know, broaden within our organizations. And so as you look at this going forward, we have to bring our folks up in terms of these types of skills. The other thing that you mentioned was a whole area around the impact of the, I'll say the remote environment that we're all working in today. And when I look at that, I think most people have gotten very comfortable with the fact that, you know, when we have knowledge workers and you would put you know, sourcing and procurement professionals in that bucket to say, you're a knowledge worker. And unless you're tied to the operations, the day-to-day manufacturing operations of the organization, what we've most done as, a, as enterprises across the globe is said, those that are knowledge workers can work remotely. And that knowledge work can be done on your own. And this was actually a conversation I was having with an executive actually earlier today is that when we look at knowledge workers, and we're going to have to deal with this looking forward, is that part of a knowledge worker's job is collaboration. And collaboration in a virtual world has been difficult for many organizations. I have companies that are going through mergers and acquisitions, and it's very difficult to do in a Zoom or a Teams environment. You have to bring organizations together in person to work through workshops, et cetera, around the integration aspects of what they have to go do as part of that acquisition of those two companies and the merging of those two companies. So I think what we're going to deal with going forward is really trying to understand how do we separate out a knowledge worker and understand there's different type of knowledge work. There's analytical work that we need to do in our jobs, which can be done in a remote, isolated, independent kind of environment. But there is also collaboration that has to occur. And that's something that we're missing in the current remote environment that we're going to have to grapple with once we get on the backside of COVID to understand how do we bring these environments together and how often do we truly need to be together together to be able to collaborate and when can we be apart to work remotely. That's such a great point about, you know, the importance of talent and in-person, but obviously digital is, you know, still critical to reach all these goals and deliver that value. Do you think that organizations are starting to take digital more seriously now? The quick answer is absolutely. One of the things that we did back in May was we did a study focused on supply and demand and how they were impacted by COVID. And one of the questions that we asked in that study was, do organizations believe that they will be decelerating or deprioritizing digital transformation based on the current environment? Would they be keeping their effort and focus and investments about the same? Or would they be accelerating them either in a moderate or high way uh, looking forward? 77% of the organizations highlighted that they would be moderately or highly accelerating their investments and their activities around digital transformation. I'll give you another example. I was speaking to the leader of an organization that's based out of Europe back in December of last year. And this particular organization made a comment, the, the head of procurement for this organization made a comment to me that they would be delaying 
their focus on digital transformation, not because they didn't feel it was important, but it wasn't a priority for them, you know, coming into the beginning of 2020, not as high as some of their other priorities. And they mentioned that, you know, they probably wouldn't be making some of the investments they had planned on doing until later in 2021, potentially even further out. When I spoke to them again in June of this year, after we've been, you know, deep in the COVID crisis and the responses to that, he made a comment that not only are they bringing that forward, that they're going to be accelerating those efforts to begin their investment in some of the digital technology they needed in supply immediately. And so what COVID has really done for us was really to help to not only highlight some of the vulnerabilities we have in terms of managing, primarily based on the fact that we saw organizations that had progressed their digital transformation further than others and their ability to respond. Those that had done more were able to respond in a much more quick and appropriate way than those that were not. And based on some of those insights, what you're seeing is that organizations are accelerating their efforts in this in this current space as we speak. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I heard from a lot of clients as well that those were you know, those that had high levels of automation and and digital tools. They fared a lot better at the peak of COVID. Um, but you know, it's it's the kind of thing where it's never too late to start. And those that haven't adopted all those tools still have time. Yeah, it really gave them a reason, you know, why right. to, to do that. And if they anybody had any questions as to the you know the success of it, they certainly got enlightened over the last several months. Right. So let's uh, switch topics one more time. This is a key issue that that wasn't in the top ten at the beginning of this year, but it has grown increasingly fast. Importance, you know, we're looking at both supplier diversity and sustainable sourcing. And these are two issues that you know we've talked about them for the last five plus years. And some organizations, you know, they've got great well-developed programs and they do these things well, but they've never been widely adopted across organizations. And I think in the in the coming years, we're likely to see that change. Can you talk a little bit about corporate social responsibility and, and where procurement is going in that area? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You made a comment that corporate social responsibility was not one of the top 10 priorities of procurement organizations and their leaders, you know, coming into the tail end of, of 2019 based on the results of our, you know, our key issue study. You know, the other one I mentioned earlier was risk. Risk wasn't in the top 10. Well, right now it's in the top five. It's a board level discussion. And, you know, the same with C- CSR. And, you know, where it is now a board level discussion in most organizations, specifically around supply-based diversification. You know, what's interesting in this whole area, you know, Hackett started studying in this area back in 2005. It was really a result of, of a question that we got from a number of different organizations where organizations would highlight to us that they felt that their performance as an organization, specifically their ability to save money, was being impacted by the fact that they were being asked to diversify their supply base. And one of the things that we did back in 2005 is we went into our database. And if anybody knows anything about Hackett, they understand that we highlight and use 
you know, methodologies determine world-class performing procurement organizations versus those that are not world-class. And as a result of that, we took these two populations of organizations, those that had world-class performance, they were more effective, more efficient than other organizations, as well as the other population that was non-world-class. And what we did is in those both those populations, we looked at the percentage of their spend as well as the percentage of their suppliers that were diverse. And what we saw was basically an equality between the two different groups, meaning that the world-class organization's performance wasn't being impacted by their desire to and their efforts to diversify their supply base. And as we're coming into this year, and certainly with some of the events as, as of late, this topic of diversification within the supply base has, as I mentioned earlier, become a board level discussion. And so today, what we're seeing is many organizations looking at this, uh, especially from a supply base standpoint, and trying to come up with ways where it may have been a reporting function before for them in terms of how they can drive more diversification within their supply base. And, you know, I think what we're going to see happen going forward, because there's a limitation in terms of the number of suppliers that are out there that are diversified. And, And right now you have an environment where you have a significant number of organizations that are looking to diversify their supply bases. And it may overwhelm the number of suppliers that are out there that are diverse, maybe. If that happens, what you're going to see is another activity come to the forefront, and that is supplier development. It's actually something that we really want in this area, the ability to develop new suppliers or current suppliers into other areas, other adjacencies that they potentially could supply companies with you know, and help grow this whole business around the businesses that are focused on and that are diversified in the marketplace. So, you know, we're going to see some different behaviors. And as we look forward, you know, as you mentioned, you know, also sustainability, I would also ask or add to that is a whole area around ethical sourcing as well. So what you're seeing is that organizations are now looking at this as, as being corporate social responsibility. And how can I impact corporate social responsibility for our enterprises through our access to supply. In many companies, you had leaders of supply-based diversity. And then somebody that would focus on sustainability may have been in another group or another person. What we see happening going forward is a convergence. We see sustainability, diversity, ethical sourcing all being converged into a role focused on corporate social responsibility. So we do believe that looking forward, you will have individuals within the supply organization that are reporting to the leaders of the, of the supply organization focused on corporate social responsibility and all aspects of it that will also be closely aligned to the corporate social responsibility aspects of the entire enterprise. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up ethical sourcing too. I, I saw an article by Starbucks just, I think yesterday, they were talking about, I think they've released a new app or something where you can go and find out exactly where your coffee beans came from um, to follow that whole ethical sourcing process. So, you know, it's definitely something that consumers are looking for and and excited to see. So it's great to see procurement, uh, procurement organizations following suit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the point that you just made, I think is there's much more attention being 
focused on organizations around corporate social responsibility, you know, we as consumers in the marketplace and investors in companies, et cetera, are the way that we evaluate, you know, those organizations that we might support is changing. And their, you know, support of corporate social responsibility and, you know, the comment that you made, Starbucks with ethical sourcing is going to become a factor in terms of the decision that the consumers make. Right. Okay, great, Chris. Before we wrap up, uh, one final question. We're we're launching our 2021 Key Issues Survey. Do you have any predictions or, or guesses as to where we'll see procurement organizations focusing next year? Yes, and I'll probably just reiterate some of the things that I, I mentioned before. I do believe that cost is going to remain a, a key priority for organizations going forward. It pretty much has always been a key, you know, key focus for the organization for the last 16 years we've been running the study. But I do believe you know, two of the areas that we highlighted, corporate social responsibility and specifically diversity, as well as supply risk, uh, will be very high in the list of priorities of procurement organizations and supply organizations uh, looking forward. All right. Well, that was so great. Thank you, Chris, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can write us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. And if you like this episode, please share it. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. The Hackett Group is the global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.